happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Oh man, yeah, let's find a let's find a good line. There's so many good lines. Wait, what about the one that Abigail Breslin says to Sarah Jessica Parker when she's like, you're just so moody and like possessive because you don't have a man in your life. You need a man in your life. I I like the one where it's, you're just some wannabe hipster who had his heart broken by the prom. Oh, wait, no, I know what my favorite line, my favorite line in the exchange in the movie is. Okay. Okay, hopefully you remember the line exchange I'm talking about. Um, So, Caitlin, you're like a comic book artist do you like draw i illustrate oh my god okay. i'm in you love fucking, holy you shit fucking... <laughs> that was so aggressive welcome to the bechdel cast wait wait, wait which one was yours <laughs> oh my favorite line from the film uh the prestige film from 2011 directed by gary marshall new year's eve mm-hmm. my favorite line is let the best JJ win. And then everyone was like, ha, 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 ha. It's so <laughs> funny. Oh, this, what a, what a happy almost new year, everyone. Uh, wow. This is the Bechtel cast. I'm Jamie Loftus. I'm Caitlin Durante. And this is our podcast about uh, how movies fare when we look at them through an intersectional feminist lens. And folks. <laughs> we <laughs> We're gonna have fun this week. Uh, I th- I feel like we, uh, as 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 an extended podcast family, uh, have earned it. You know, it's been mm. the biggest shit pile of a year on record, and it was pre- it w- that was a pretty competitive uh, market, truly. Mm. So yeah, there's been some pretty shitty years in the history of the world. But you know what? Uh, people were having a lot of optimism for was uh, 2012, apparently. <laughs> there, <laughs> they made a whole movie about how excited we were for 2012. Yeah, why wouldn't this movie have come out in like the end of 1999 when like we were actually talking about like 
this new millennium y2k was a big thing there was like so much maybe like 2012 2012 was the year that some people thought the world would end because of the like oh i forgot about the mayan calendar thing my theory was it was the entire movie was funded by obama's re-election campaign (laughs) (laughs) they're they're just like 2012 Um, right I think they would have made a far better movie if that were true. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's up for debate. There, uh, this movie is god off. Okay, so we're we're this is the Bechtel cast. Um, we're, if this is your first episode, you know maybe reconsider it or or just hang out and see. Or it's we're loose. Yeah. We're loose today. Uh, but we, we're mm-hmm. going to use the Bechtel test, I guess, theoretically, as a jumping off point for discussion. That being a media metric test invented by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test, that requires that, for our purposes, two people of a marginalized gender with names talk to each other about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue. Doesn't seem like it would be that hard. This movie really takes a long time (laughs) to get there. Really long. It does get there. And... Sort it of. does, but it barely does anything. There's a whole <laughs> scene in this movie where Sofia Vergara and Catherine Heigl are just throwing eggs across a room. <laughs> a feminist, um, feminist alert. Feminist eggs okay. symbolism. Okay, think about it. It's whoo. We're talking about New Year's Eve, the movie that was supposed to get us all excited for 2012. Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you have a history with this movie? Have you seen it before? Uh, no, I hadn't seen this before. Okay, have I you? no, I had seen the previous forty-five uh, person cast Gary Marshall movie. I have seen Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, sure. Okay, I have not seen that one either. Nor have I seen Mother's Day, which came out oh, um, like five years after one. this one, which is the other uh, like <laughs> it's like an unofficial trilogy because they're all Gary Marshall ensemble movies that are all bad. <laughs> There's no way, we were just talking about this off mic, there's no way Gary Marshall actually directed this entire movie. I feel like he hired 10 assistant directors and paid them enough to not credit them appropriately and then showed up <laughs> for one. I the, the true story of this movie for me is in the 45-minute blooper reel at the end. Uh, <laughs> It's just, pretty, it's the most compelling part of the movie, I think. Jessica Biel gives a birth to... Two copies of Valentine's Day on DVD in the blooper reel on, on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Hello, well, because she's rich, which is which is why like her whole storyline makes no sense. <laughs> oh my gosh, none of these storylines <sighs> make sense. I can't wait. This is like if uh, I mean, when we we you know early in the cast we covered four years ago at this point we covered Love Actually, and this is yes. if Love Actually it like. Uh, I don't even know. Like, if Love actually got hit in the head really hard with a basketball, uh, the movie would maybe be something like this. It's trying to do the same vignette thing. But yes, instead of, like, with Love Actually, the vignettes make sense. They're just generally pretty sexist and racist and dated. For sure. This, these don't even make sense. They don't make sense. At least, I mean... Go back and listen to our Love Actually episode. We had plenty to say about it. Yes. And, I, like, it's very problematic in many ways. We're not fans. At least Love Actually, though, has the ability to elicit, like, 
real emotion in audiences like yeah. people responded to that movie for a reason i understand why people really <laughs> liked it like yeah. in a dated way but like you're like okay i i see i see why people were into this at the time right no one was into this at the time no. i think we're the first people that have watched it <laughs> since it came out it made okay it so made 142 million dollars at the box office it was number one i can't I, what else came out around that time that no one, everyone had to go see New Year's Eve? Uh, I, I, that's, <laughs> a good, that's actually a good question. My favorite fun fact about this movie is that it was nominated for five Razzie Awards and lost yes. all of them to Jack and Jill. Uh, <laughs> the Adam Sandler, that Adam movie. Sandler movie? Yes. Um, so, you know, it wasn't even the worst movie to come out incredible that year um, um it also has a seven percent on rotten tomatoes and ooh. if you just like if you look at the like critical reception chunk on wikipedia about this movie it's very funny because like the quotes that get pulled about <laughs> this movie are and like there's uh, I'll, let me i'm just gonna read Please. a couple Okay, Roger Ebert, our favorite person, mm -hmm. actually has something that we would agree with. Says, New Year's Eve is a dreary plod through the sands of time until finally the last grain has trickled through the hourglass of cinematic sludge. Shout out to sludge. Uh, how, how is it possible to assemble more than two dozen stars in a movie and find nothing interesting for any of them to do? End quote. Um, Claudia Winkleman. Not um, Claudia Winkleman. <laughs> Uh, of BBC One, I have found the worst film of all time, and it is called New Year's Eve, <laughs> period. <laughs> and then there's a couple more, but you get the idea. Ugh, this is, I mean, these are, this is one of those things that it reminds me of the, um, Lindsay Ellis did a video on cats and like the sorts of movies that critics come together to just really take a gigantic dump on as, as, a, mm -hmm. as a professional exercise. However, this movie does deserve it <laughs> way more than Cats did because Cats was good. Uh, <laughs> this movie is is really bad. Um, oh, another. Oh, there's just so many. This movie is just a list of moments. There's also scenes that seem like they're interrupted by another scene. And then the, the previous scene just starts again. Yes, I have. I made a note of a few of those. They they keep cutting to a montage that they just they should just let the montage play out. But oh, Zac Efron oh is taking God. Michelle Pfeiffer around New York City. Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> to like check off her New Year's resolutions from the previous year. Mm -hmm. And instead of again, instead of letting the whole montage play out, they just keep like dispersing little little bits of it throughout the movie. And it's like this is so jarring and weird. And then they cut back yeah. to a scene that they had already like the Katherine Heigl storyline. And it's like, just let one of these moments breathe for five seconds. They cut away. It's that's yeah, that, that was the, I thought the most egregious one too, where they cut out of the middle of a scene of Katherine Heigl. And it's not John, it's not John Bon Jovi. It's John Bon Jensen. <laughs> it's uh, Jen, Jensen Bon Jensen. Jensen Bon Jensen. Uh, he, but they cut out of the middle of it. And then it's like the weirdest part of most of that, like thing that whole montage is that it's clear that it's just Zach Efron doing ADR over B-roll that they're not even there for like a hundred percent there's like they cut to like just B-roll of a water taxi and then you hear <laughs> Zach Efron say go in a taxi in New York with no traffic check, check. and you're like what <laughs> 
so much of these scenes are ADR. Um, yes. It's, I had I had fun. I I will say I was so frustrated because I like I feel like I had to like for a horrible movie you have to really pay close attention to what's like yes, it took me a really do. long time to cuz I had to keep pausing a bit cuz things keep happening and you're like wait a second mm-hmm. they're wait a second why did they just take Hillary Swank to the maternity ward <laughs> what is why is that <laughs> happening they're why is she in a room full of babies <laughs> and then it's over so fast and then you forget right away it's how do, uh, how, yeah. how are we <laughs> So normally I watch the movie twice. I think normally you mm-hmm. watch whatever movie we're covering once. We both had to watch it an extra time. So I watched it three times. You watched, watched it twice. I had to watch it twice, just because yeah. I also knew I wasn't going to retain it from the night to the morning, which is sad. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the mark of a really bad and really poorly written movie. Yeah. If, like none of it sticks with you and it's so jarring and it like just gives you so much whiplash that you cannot piece together any part of the narrative like it just washes over you it's so oh another one of my favorite bad lines is at the the end the hillary swank ludicrous storyline i'm like what is my gosh this is so weird uh and then at the end ludicrous's fake family shows up and i've never seen an actor make it more clear that this is not his actual family because he because he like he walks towards these like these poor children and he's like hello my little rugrats you're you're not their dad also why is ludicrous a cop like an nypd cop and not just like a he's like a lieutenant or something he's like really high up in the ranks well this is this is through uh, researching for this very important episode, I did find out that uh, Ludacris and Richard Pryor were cousins. Did you know that? Whoa, Isn't I did not know that. He's cousins hmm. with Richard Pryor and Monica, the singer. Oh, what a talented family. I know. It's, it turns out it's a dynasty. Um, <laughs> but Whereas, than- I'd rather see that ensemble cast movie like about a comedian and two musicians all in like all sharing a bloodline that's more interesting than whatever drivel we get with new year's well, eve uh richard Pryor is not available yeah but Ludacris was available for this movie <laughs> he was so available uh but even though he could be removed from every scene and it would be no different mm-hmm. there was at one point truly like there and and we'll get to the treatment of black and brown characters in this movie because it is Ooh. real bad but um yeah just like the most poorly written you can imagine. But there was a full like 10 minutes that I was convinced. I was like, is Ludacris actually a ghost? <laughs> Big- <laughs> because he's just sort of like in these scenes with Hillary Swank being like, it's going to be okay. And she never asks him really anything about himself. And I'm like, is he mm-hmm. like a ghost of New Year's past telling her to go to Robert? Also, Robert De Niro is in this. Oh, I will say for full disclosure, I went into this movie being like, there's going to be one storyline that I'm just not going to pay attention to at all because there are too many. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. one's got to go. And I chose as a character to pay attention during zero of their scenes. I chose Josh Duhamel. Oh, I didn't pay attention to a single scene that Josh Duhamel was in. I know he ends up with Sarah Jessica Parker, but... I wasn't paying attention to Josh Duhamel. I don't want to learn. I feel like I've gotten this far in life without learning who Josh Duhamel is. <laughs> and I like, I just don't really want to know who he, he is now. He is Fergie's husband? 
question mark? I think that's the main thing you need to know about him. <laughs> that's, that's, see, I wouldn't have expected that. Um, I didn't, I just, I was like, oh, I, I recognize this guy, but I don't want to look at him. Um, and mm-hmm. so I ignored his storyline. But every, all the other ones, I paid very close attention. <laughs> I'll fill in the gaps. The Josh Dumal, what's his name? Josh Dumal. Dumal Dumal. I have no idea. I, I have no Don't idea. Don't take my word for it. I literally fast forwarded through his scenes. You <sighs> not having paid attention to it will not like someone who did pay attention to it will have no better understanding of what happens in his story than someone who did not pay attention at all. So you miss truly nothing. <sighs> God, he's Tad Hamilton and went a date with Tad Hamilton. Oh yeah, he's in at least man? one of the Transformers movies. Sure is. Wow, he's in some other stuff. This yeah, who is this man? <laughs> I'm just mm. not interested. Um, I guess <laughs> yeah. Let's let's see. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to recap this exactly. Sorry to but... end the year on the most difficult recap of all time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean it's not unlike Cats in that. A bunch of characters just keep getting introduced and introduced and introduced, and then there's no story, and then there's a climax, sort of, and then it's the end. So it's really similar structurally to Cats, if you think about it. It's true. Anyway. You gotta hand it to New Year's (laughs) Eve. So, uh, again, this is like an ensemble movie in the vein of Love Actually. It's trying very hard to be Love Actually and not succeeding in that is embarrassing but um we're in new york city it is new year's eve day i think there are like seven main storylines but then a couple of them kind of morph together by the end so it's sort of hard to in a way that's supposed to be like wow but is this this is like they're really reaching for love actually because some of the stories Mm -hmm. intersect there but it like right and it doesn't work for me in that movie either but this one is like huh what? Why would you yeah, do that? Yeah, it really fails. We don't care. <laughs> so it's worth mentioning, uh, New York City, in a way, is the main character. Is, is really the protagonist of the film. It's just kind of a love letter to New York. Mm. I love the part where Robert De Niro is like, ah, that New York air. You're like, yeah, that's disgusting. That New York <laughs> air is uh, Yeah, that smells gross. like trash all the time. It <laughs> smells like something really wet that you can't identify. Like, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, they named all of the segments uh, really boring. In the did you see mm-hmm. in the credits where they're like, oh yeah, resolution tour, hospital story, maternity ward, Jensen and Laura's story, <laughs> just elevator, really? mother daughter, Ahern party, Times Square. <laughs> You're like, this is so boring. The, the pinnacle of creativity, yeah. If you ask me, genius. <laughs> okay, so um, the other note about this is that I'm going to use actors names instead of characters names just for the sake of clarity because there are truly dozens and dozens of characters yeah um, and most of them are played by famous people so that'll just uh make everything more clear love it uh, i'm also probably gonna like accidentally or on purpose leave some stuff out of this recap because there's just like far too much to even talk about but here's the gist yeah so one story revolves around Hillary Swank. She is the VP of the Times Square Alliance, and she is in charge of the famous ball drop at midnight. She flips a gigantic light switch, and that's her whole yes. thing. But she has vertigo, so Ludacris has a cop pick oh, her geez. up. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Uh, another story revolves around Zac Efron, who is a bike courier, and he really wants to do some like big epic party for New Year's <laughs> Eve that night. With Ashton Kutcher, his roommate. 
with Ashton Kutcher, his roommate, um, he drops something off a package for Michelle Pfeiffer at her office at a record company. And that turns out to be four tickets to this very exclusive party that Zach would love to go to, (laughs) but she's like, get away from me. And then she quits her shitty job with her shitty boss, John John Lithgow. Lithgow. John Lithgow (laughs) is the only person who knows what movie he's in. And this is, he has such a fun performance. He goes like, because she works at like a record, the Ahern record company. And he's like, yes, you know, it's been a bad year for music, music piracy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, blah, did blah. he just skip over some of the script? <laughs> <laughs> and then when she says, I quit, he goes, you can't quit. It's Grammy season. I was like, this is so vague. <laughs> like Michelle Pfeiffer's wig is so distracting. Oh my gosh. It's really, I'm like, she, we were texting about this last night, but it's like everyone in this movie is playing themselves except for Michelle Pfeiffer, who is like doing this character. Yeah. And okay, here's what's really, did you get this sense too? When you first watch the movie and you're first introduced to her character, she is seen getting off of a bus. She's holding a piece of paper. It makes it seem like this is her like first time in New York because immediately after that, she almost she like goes to cross the street and then almost gets hit by a cab and then has to like twirl around and then Pratt falls into a pile of trash. But then you find out she's lived here for years. Right. So I'm like, why would you set up this character that way? It's so weird. Like that so much reads as like she just got off the bus in New York City where she's never been before and she doesn't know how to cross the street or she doesn't know how to like navigate through the city. That's like a trope. See, like you you see that shot and you're like, oh, I know what's happening. But then they make it, they they twist it (laughs) for no reason. It's so weird. Like the way that this character is written is just like, I don't even know if it's sexist. I know it makes no sense. I know, like, I, I, I guess it is sexist, but it's so nonsensical that you're just like, what were they trying to do even? Like, she doesn't seem to know what her job is. Or, like, she she doesn't... I don't know what her yeah. job is, but she also doesn't know what her job is. Zac Efron mm-hmm. comes to deliver her the mail every day, but he says he's a bike courier, not a mailman. And then he says, I've seen you every, yeah. I've brought you a package every day this year and you've never looked at me, which is like, <laughs> uh, if Zach Efron delivered me a package every day, I would like, no, you know, I would and not look at anything else. I would be thinking about him constantly. <laughs> and then she's invited to like this cool party, this like big record label party, the record label she mm-hmm. is currently working at. True. And then he's like oh, wow, that's a really cool party. And she's like, really? What is it? I'm like, you work here. What are you talking about? It's, <laughs> it truly, I like that, Z- uh, and finally, I like that Zac Efron's character's name is Paul. Paul. <laughs> he, there's, a whole, there's that whole thing where he sings that little song. He goes, give Paul a chance to show you what I can do. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what if this character's name isn't Paul? And he was just kind of guessing (laughs) oh funny sorry Um, this is a disaster i know (laughs) well the record company that michelle pfeiffer works at is the same record company that is owned by josh dumel's character's mother and his storyline cherry jones his storyline is that he is trying to make his way to new york from connecticut where he like was just the witness of its friend's wedding or something on the morning of new year's eve sure yeah people have weddings then 
not anyway. absolutely made no sense like i was just like who are these people okay we just need to get him we haven't even gotten to <sighs> jessica beale's unvaccinated oh my fetus <laughs> Unbelievable. Is she an anti-vaxxer? Oh, yeah. Oh, big time anti-vaxxer. Very weird seeing her play a pregnant lady because you're like, this kid's in for a world of hurt. This is bad. Horrifying. Yeah, she's bad. Well, Josh Jamel is trying to get to New York because he is giving a speech at an event which turns out to be the party that Zac Efron is trying to go to. And he's also considering meeting up with a woman who he met last New Year's Eve. So that's his setup. Um, on to Zac Efron's roommate, Ashton Kutcher. He hates New Year's Eve. He's a Grinch about New Year's. He, he rearranges the sign that says Happy New Year's Eve and makes it say Crappy New Year's Eve. Even ha, ha, though I'm ha, like, ha, where did ha, those ha. letters come from? <laughs> where did the C and the R come from? How'd you get that? Uh, uh. <laughs> this is the worst written movie of all time. More like Crappy New Year's Eve. Ashton Kutcher is so bad at I mean he's so bad in really honestly most movies mm. um but uh, have you ever seen Jobs Steve Jobs yes, you know <laughs> I, I've I seen know. Jobs there well there there are a few moments in the elevator where he's channeling Jobs when he goes Ooh. I'm an illustrator you're like oh that's like he's prepping for Jobs wow well, anyway sorry <laughs> he doesn't want to do anything to celebrate new year's eve and he's on his way to like throw out a bunch of new year's decorations but oh no he gets stuck in his apartment building's elevator with leah michelle is that how you say her name leah michelle yeah so we have in this storyline we have um leah michelle a confirmed racist mm-hmm. and ashton kutcher an early investor in uber and the worst actor of all time mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be like, you should kiss. And I'm like, I need to get out of these scenes as quickly as possible. Yipes. Uh, so Leah Michelle is on her way to be a backup singer for John Bon Jovi, bon a.k.a. Jensen, Jensen Bon Jensen. <laughs> and she, he is playing the like televised Times Square ball drop concert like ryan seacrest hosted blah 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 that whole thing Mm -hmm. he has a romantic history with katherine heigl who is catering the big ahern records after party yes with her co-workers russell peters and sophia vergara yes then uh we meet sarah michelle geller uh she wants to spend the evening with her daughter abigail breslin Sorry, you mean Sarah Jessica Parker? What did I say? Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, I keep doing that, and I literally <laughs> named Sarah. It makes sense. It makes okay. sense. Meanwhile, Sarah Jessica Parker. I even have that written down, and I still said the wrong thing. Okay, Sarah, I, it it took me a second to be like, wait, who is? And then I couldn't remember Sarah Michelle Geller's. No, mm. Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> God damn. Okay, we have to okay. leave this in. We <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker wants to spend the evening with her daughter abigail breslin Mm -hmm. but abigail is trying to go to times square with her friends and she wants to kiss her crush at midnight yeah she also lifts her shirt in the middle of a train station in their first scene because uh, reasons i was horrified to see that it is so weird she is 15 in this movie and um why do that it it doesn't make sense for a character to do it doesn't make sense 
for Gary Marshall to tell a child to do. Ugh, it doesn't right. even make sense for her character. She's not kind of like her character isn't like woohoo, look at me. Like she, it's not an exhibitionist. It, char- it nothing about gender. it. It makes any sense tracks and on top of that it's like y'all why is a child lifting up her shirt and exposing her bra in public and why is her mom not reacting to that yeah she her mom well her mom does say this isn't girls gone wild and she like runs over to like reference (laughs) she runs over to like cover her up in a scene that does tragically pass the Bechtel test it's a flawed metric it's a f- I'm just realizing that Leah Michelle's character ha- uh, was named Elise. Mm, yeah, I guess, so. I guess. It's so weird. It's like some characters uh, get full names in this movie. Other characters don't. Like mm-hmm. Zach Efron is only known as Paul. Um, but Michelle Pfeiffer is constantly referred to as Ingrid Withers. Like her yes. full name all the time. Like why? Why? Which I feel I like know. is like, hey, audience, in case you didn't know, this is a character who is far, far older than Zac Efron. See, she has an old person name, Ingrid Withers. Whereas he is young and cool, and therefore he is Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Not sure. Rooting for them. So that's Sarah jessica parker not sarah michelle geller Mm -hmm. so that's her storyline with abigail breslin then we cut to a hospital where robert de niro is dying halle berry is a nurse who tends to him his nurse (laughs) his nurse who he thinks is his wife sometimes um yes his dying wish is to see the ball drop in Times Square one last time with his own eyes. He wants to like go up on the roof, but his doctor, Carrie, and then I'm going to have like a oh, Ewan McGregor Elvis. moment here because I don't know how to say his last name. He's the guy from what? Carrie guy Yules? From, could be. Princess Bride. Princess Bride guy. I This, okay, this whole thing with Robert De Niro is so vague. On the second watch, I was like, maybe I will figure out what is going on here it seems like he is in the late stages of cancer Mm -hmm. he has stopped refusing or he had started to refuse treatment Mm -hmm. which does happen Mm -hmm. but then he's like i didn't do you think i came here because the hospital's good no No. i came here because i want to get on the roof of this hospital and you're like huh and then he keeps saying it was like on my second watch i was cracking up because his whole thing is he's like just take me up on the roof so I can die. And <laughs> it's his whole thing. And then everyone's like, why? Why do you want to? D- why? Why? And he's like, I'm an asshole. Or he's like, I've been, I've made so many bad choices. Yeah. But he never says what any of those choices are. Right. No one ever. Do we even. Did I miss something? Does he say what he did that was bad? Because he keeps being like, I'm an ass. <laughs> I made so many mistakes. And you're like, were you like fracking like what were you doing <laughs> that is so bad that you want to die today like it's just so weird um i don't think they specify my impression was that he was just sort of like an absentee father and husband kind of person it's the way he was talking made it sound like he had done something really like bad war crimes or something because like, if because like most i maybe there's a generalization but like most parents who worked a lot aren't like i need to die right now because i feel bad that i had to work like (laughs) it sounds like he did something bad 
It sounds like he really fucked yeah. up. Yeah. And I kind of am curious as to like what he did because he's clearly racked with guilt. Yes. Over something. Right. But don't worry, he'll get a redemption arc because it's a holiday season movie. Maybe he was like Henry Kissinger's assistant or something. <laughs> like I'm like something this man did something really bad. Otherwise he would not be telling anyone who will listen that he was a bad person and needs to die right now. Yeah. I don't know. Well something's going on. Meanwhile, at the same hospital, question mark. Sarah Paulson. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. I think it's the same one, but I'm not totally sure. Um, Sarah Paulson and Jessica Biel are both extremely gregnant. And the thing with this hospital is that if you are the first person to give birth on New Year's Day, that family wins $25,000 from that hospital. So And like, huh? Is that is that a thing? Does that happen? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but they are both vying for this twenty-five grand. And Jessica Beale is married to Seth Myers. Sure. Right? Th- there's sure. also it's like a good like there's not one like I th- I would say I would argue that if I had to choose a pairing, and none of the pairings have chemistry, but if mm. I had to be like, who has the most chemistry, I would honestly probably say Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer, and that's <laughs> not a compliment. Like, they don't have a lot of chemistry, but everyone else is just like, they're just saying lines near each other. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like everyone's missing each other's eye line. And <laughs> that whole, uh, oh, I yeah. mean, and I feel like, yeah, the, the, my, my two bottom couples are definitely Seth Meyers and Jessica Biel. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Mm-hmm. And who, oh wait, it's, I keep losing track of who is even where. Oh, Ashton Kutcher and Leah Michelle. Yes. Those are my bottom. Right. I truly could not track the logic of that relationship. And then Sarah Paulson is married to, Sarah uh, I know, is married to Till Schweiger, who I wrote down in my notes brilliantly, that he mm. looks like he should be the villain of a National Treasure movie. So, oh, he definitely does. <laughs> wow. I did not know who this man is. He's a, is that bad? I have no idea who this he's man is. He's a German is. actor who's in some American cinema, but he's also in a lot of German films. Um, yeah, I, I, I recognize him, but I don't, I couldn't, I like had to look up his name. I, he, I didn't like his character. <laughs> his character was really aggressive. He also like runs a charm school randomly. Like, why do we learn what his job is? It has nothing to do with anything. I did not, I didn't catch that in the first one. And then on the second one, I was like, why would you add this detail? <laughs> the, yeah, he runs a charm school, which is like, um, I guess, but also he's not very charming. So no. I don't know, like, what my, my, I think one of my top worst moments of the movie is when, so like, it becomes this weird masculine race to who can get their wives' water to break the fastest, mm-hmm. which is, first of all, a really gross premise <laughs> for a vignette. And so it's it's like Till Schweiger and Seth Meyers being like, my wife's going to water break any minute and I'm making her eat anchovies. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is so gross. And then Sarah Paulson goes up to Till Schweiger and like apologizes to him because her water hasn't broken yet. I'm like, that's so bleak. She's like, I'm sorry, honey. I don't think we're going to get the money because I couldn't induce labor on command. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh also sarah paulson did you feel 
I felt that Sarah Paulson's pregnancy looked extra fake, like way faker than Jessica Biel's. Oh. I don't know why. Like, but Sarah Paulson, it couldn't have been clearer to me that they just like Velcroed something on <laughs> they her They just like body. stuffed a lumpy pillow up into her shirt. <laughs> I'm like, why did she get a worse? Did they only have two? And then Jessica Biel's like, I get the good one. It, I don't know. Sarah Paulson's looked super fake. Well, I'm guessing like 50% of the budget went to paying Bon Jovi. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> John Bon Jensen. <laughs> I can't get over it. Yeah, so yeah, she plays poor this is like early I was trying to figure out is this um Oh oh this wait, okay, I just learned something interesting. Oh, please tell me. Sarah Paulson and Cherry Jones were together from two thousand four to two thousand nine meaning that they were recent exes at the time of this movie. I don't know. Uh, that has nothing to do with anything. I just didn't know that. Oh, I was trying okay. to figure out if this if this movie came out when Sarah Paulson was famous or if this was a movie that she did like right before she got famous because she got famous doing like American Horror Story and stuff. But I don't know when that was. I feel like this was either right around then, the cusp of then, or just like right before that. Right. It had yeah, to have been because it's like there's some people... It's it's really hard to because like these movies are so in the moment that it's kind of some people are bigger stars than they used to be and then other people are presented as huge stars and now they're kind of not and so mm-hmm. it's just very jarring like it's very much a time capsule of 2011. This is like peak Leah Michelle when now like everyone right, this is was like, like Glee Leah Michelle yeah this days. is like peak Glee. So yeah. I think we were supposed to be excited about that. Catherine Heigl, <laughs> it's always weird to be like, and now it's Catherine Heigl. And everyone's like, so what? You know, but <laughs> another person who is who has ended up, you know, being exposed as as a, a villainous person. Oh, no. What did she do? She was accused of a bunch of, uh, similar to Leah Michelle, a bunch of uh, racist micro aggressions on the set of Grey's Anatomy, much like Leah Michelle did on Glee. Glee. So, um, mm. yeah, I guess well, my apologies to Seth Rogen. Fuck those people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that is the setup for all of these storylines. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and see what happens next. <laughs> Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. 
Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. All right. So here are the stories that unfold, (laughs) I guess. Um, The pregnant women start to try to induce labor i hate this scene with (laughs) jessica biel and the anchovy i'm sorry i just like can't get over it so nasty nasty uh bon jovi meanwhile is trying to win back katherine heigl after bailing on their engagement last year which we learn in very expository dialogue it's so okay that made me (laughs) laugh so much because they're he John Bon Jensen is such a disaster in this. Like he keeps wandering around being like, I don't understand. Why won't you give me another chance? And then Sophia Vergara is like, well, what did you do? He's like, well, I proposed to her and then I immediately disappeared last year. <laughs> and I'm like, well, of course she hates you. What are you talking right. about? He's like, I don't understand. <laughs> He's like she 50 also- years old. I'm like, well, how could you not understand? She, Catherine Heigl is like, I didn't even get to cook you one meal in our apartment together. And it's like, women be women cooking? Like, why be, would that be the thing I she mean, says? At least to she's be fair, a she's a chef. But like, yeah, yeah she's, a, she's like a fancy chef. But even so, like, that whole, like, I mean, talk about two people that have no chemistry no at all. No chemistry? John Bon Jensen is struggling just to, like, seem like he is acting. Like, he cannot act. And he's trying so hard. And he's just... Something about the way he enters scenes, I found very jarring and clear that he wasn't an actor because he just seems like he's wandering into like a kitchen and you're like, get out. What are you doing in here? Gross. There's a similar phenomenon happening with Ludacris where like suddenly yeah, he, he just like suddenly... swivels around in a chair and he's like, hi. That's why and I thought he was like, ghost. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> There, yeah, the musicians in this movie are really clearly uh, musicians and not and actors. Not actors. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Ludacris is is being done a disservice. I mean, everyone's being done a disservice, but Ludacris mm-hmm. is, is being done an extra dis- disservice. But he is like just kind of all of a sudden there. He's yeah. just all he's just like Hillary Swank is my best friend and she's afraid of heights. And as we know, I'm going to I just the fact that he has a cop pick Hillary Swank up <laughs> and is like. I love my friend. This is how I help her. I have my coworker pick her up. And you're just like, I hate this friendship. This friendship is so it weird. It makes no sense. Um, okay. Meanwhile, Abigail Breslin sneaks out of her apartment. And the, but that makes it sound like she has her own apartment. She sneaks out of the apartment that she lives in with her mom, mm-hmm. whose name is either Sarah Michelle Geller or Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, we don't and... know her character name and we're not going to look it up. <laughs> we simply don't care. <laughs> she sneaks out and goes to Times Square. And then her mom like tries to chase after her and, and figure out where she's gone. Meanwhile, Josh Dumel crashes his car and then has to hitch a ride in an RV with a pastor and either the pastor or the pastor's his wife, uh, horny dad, making very gross comments the whole way. Uh-huh. Um, 
Like then <laughs> back in New York City, uh, Robert De Niro is like expressing all of his regrets about not being a better person. It's all very vague. We're like, what did you do? I think he like he has to be like working high up in the government and like I was gonna I was say like, like what is did he, he do? Was he like the president of some like um could be Wall Street, maybe they're in New York. I just feel like Robert De Niro characters don't feel guilty over like nothing, you know, like he plays very hardened mm-hmm. characters, right? This character did something really bad. Maybe, oh, maybe he's playing the same character that he did in Taxi Driver and his character in Taxi Driver <laughs> does some very <laughs> fucked up stuff. That's the canon and I'm going with. he's on his deathbed <laughs> being like, I just want to see the ball drop with my daughter, Hillary Swank. <laughs> So weird. The twist. Oh, yeah. By the way, spoiler alert. The twist. Hillary Swank is his daughter. Yeah. What? Does he die at the end? He does. Or not? I'm pretty sure. He does. Yeah. Because she's like holding his like personal items as if he passed away. That is so confusing. Because mm-hmm. on the first, I realized at the end of my first viewing, I'm like, I don't even know if he's, he lived at the end. No, I think he dies. And then the, at like the stroke of midnight or something. I don't know. Di- I'm like, did he die on the roof? Because that was the other thing. I'm like, Halle Berry is about to lose her job. She lets Hillary Swank like abduct yeah. her dying father to bring him to the roof. Yeah. And then Halle Berry's like, I know. It's all good. <laughs> She's like, I, I I'm to too busy. I'm husband. Skyping with Common, who's overseas in the yes, military. He's Skyping with Common, who was nominated for an award for, for that. Yeah, I saw that. Appearance. <laughs> um, but so Halle Berry's like, whatever. But then, yeah, it seems like maybe he possibly died on the roof and then she had to, like, what, bring her father's Wheel corpse his down the alley back down? Right. And then just be like, <laughs> like, first of all, Hillary Smith could be accused of murder if there is not. <laughs> If there is not good video surveillance of, like, what exactly happened, she could be in a lot of trouble. True. Uh, But instead, (laughs) she's just pulled into a room full of infants, and they're like, look at these. Do you feel better? And she's like, yes. Right. It's like, her dad died, but now she's looking at newborns. It's the circle of life. Some people die. Some people are born. Wow. I, yeah. I, I I, and also I felt like there was just a weird element of, and maybe I'm like overthinking it a little bit, but I'm like, oh, nothing cheers up a, a woman like a, a room full of babies because women be wanting babies really yep. bad. There are so many like stereotypes, and we'll talk about them, but like women stereotyped in a particular way happens <laughs> countless times in this movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so what happens next? Um, Zach Efron, he is taking Michelle Pfeiffer all around the city Aww. to check off her New Year's resolutions. And then Ryan Seacrest as himself. Funny. Uh, he's one of the few celebrities in the movie who is actually playing himself. It's so funny. So like half of this cast has been canceled since this movie came out. <laughs> like it's like astounding. And yeah. then on top of that, Michael Bloomberg comes out and Ew. you're like, Whoa. <laughs> like shocking. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Seacrest is like, all right, everyone, it's 6 p.m. in Times Square. Let's raise the ball so that we can drop it at midnight. So they go to raise it, but oh, no, it's broken and it won't go up. So then Hillary Swank has to call someone named Kaminsky, who turns out to be the Hector Elizondo. The Diaries. <laughs> yes. And you're like, oh, I want so much better for him than this caricature of a of a character. Yeah. 
So Hector Elizondo shows up to fix the ball. And then Hilary Swank gives this like what is meant to be a, a moving speech that is televised across the entire nation for some reason. Everyone sees it. In Times Square, Times Square is silent, captivated <laughs> by Hilary Swank's speech. <laughs> I also let there's so many like 2011 details of this movie like in in Times Square specifically where there's like a huge poster for uh Sherlock Holmes trunk of secrets or whatever the fuck the second movie was <laughs> starring Robert Downey oh sorry Sherlock Holmes a game of shadows I was gonna call it book of shadows but I think that might be the national That's, treasure yeah it is <laughs> A game of shadows, trunk of secrets. It was all, it's all the same, but they're, they're like heavily advertising. There's an so extremely much Sherlock Holmesy movie is actually what it's called. Disaster. Uh, okay. So everyone sees this speech. Meanwhile, uh, Leah Michelle and Ashton Kutcher have started to bond. They're about to kiss, but then the elevator starts back up again, and she has no. to leave to go sing for Jensen Bun Jensen. Also, he's so rude to her. He, she, she, like he's like, "What are you a groupie?" I'm like, uh, "Yeah, have some respect, sir." She's John Bon Jensen's backup singer. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> this is the worst movie of all time. <laughs> And he's like, I'm an illustrator. Like, oh. I did not want them to kiss. I was thrilled they didn't get to kiss. But then well, they, they do, do later. Yeah. I know. Well, and there's also like it goes without like you can tell by looking at the poster and the year this movie came out that there is just like no consent in the entire. Just people just like launching each other at each other's heads. Oh it's my gosh, gross to look at. I have a list of all of like the sexual harassment and sexual misconduct that happens in the movie it's horrifying <laughs> genuinely nasty yeah okay so meanwhile zach efron is really close to getting his tickets to this exclusive party but then michelle pfeiffer overhears him calling her pathetic because he's screaming loudly he's screaming in it. an open room with it's like three feet away from her he's like <laughs> hello <laughs> i'm with this lady she's fucking pathetic and then she's like bye <laughs> she's like i'm right here i heard that and he's like oh my god i'm so sorry <laughs> You're like, what are you doing what do you think was gonna happen yeah. so she's like i don't want to do this anymore and he thinks that he blew it but then he's like i'm so sorry i'm gonna make this up to you and i'm gonna amaze you and, and all of your resolutions are gonna come true and blah 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 all this stuff okay the scene where he you know the one I'm talking about. The scene where all of a sudden Michelle Pfeiffer is in like Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Like, uh, <laughs> like they're just flinging her around the stage. <laughs> it was so scary and it like made my eyes hurt to look at. Yeah. It was so like, however that was edited. I don't know if Michelle Pfeiffer was like, um, I'm not actually going to do that. You have to like green screen CGI it or something. Doing it. <laughs> But it, it like hurt my eyes to look at and it hurt my head to think about like, why are they doing this? Why? Why? But it was also like, it just felt so, cause her thing was like, I need to be amazed. That was like her resolution. Her list is fucking ridiculous. It's so basic. It's like such basic white woman shit. And I'm just like, it's, are you, it makes just that character is so, and also I feel like there is like some ageism at play in the way that character is written because they're like, like, I feel like there is this whole element of like, look at this. Like, you are supposed to think that she's pathetic a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But then we're like, oh, wait, Paul thinks she's cool. So I guess she's cool. Like, you're just right. like, he validates her. And th that whole, I mean, 
none of these stories make sense, but she's just like call. She rents Paul for a day, which is not how bike couriers work. <laughs> uh, you can't just rent a bike courier for a day. <laughs> Um, but also, he is already doing the work of a mailman, so we don't even know what's going on. <laughs> he also has two bikes. He has a regular bicycle, and then he also has, like, a moped scooter thing. This is why I'm very glad I, I watched this movie twice, because I'm like, wow, he uh, seems to have a lot of money for someone who says that he does not have any money, because he has a gigantic apartment that he shares with Ashton Kutcher. They live in, like, a loft or something. Multiple bikes. Like, he's just, like, he's kind of, like living he's he mm-hmm. must be from money or something well did you notice this whenever he goes into like the record company to deliver the initial package to michelle pfeiffer he's mm-hmm. just like seen going into their like kitchen and like other spaces yeah. like rifling through stuff and stealing it yes. he like steals a bunch of cds and he like steals a bunch of like coffee creamer and stuff i don't know what this guy's deal is at all i think we're supposed to think he's like scrappy in his 20s and like doesn't have a lot of money but like <laughs> that doesn't make sense and also yeah. it's like that sort of like I don't know. I It seems like Gary Marshall wants you to believe like, oh, New York, it's magical. And like, you know, Zach, I, but I don't understand how Paul has all these connections. They're like, he's like, I'm a bike courier. Therefore, I can rig you up in a theater whenever I want. You're just like, <laughs> no, you can't. Or like when he goes, he op- that really jarring shot where he opens up a storage container and there's a luxury spa inside. And he's oh, yeah. like, here, you, here we are in Bali. And you're like, what? Meanwhile, Michelle Pfeiffer is like, she's like, oh, we're in Brooklyn, the scariest neighborhood. I hate it here. It's so dangerous, Brooklyn. And it's just like, shut up. (laughs) That whole, her list, it was really funny. I was like, wow, should we try to pull that list off next year, 2021? I'm like, there it is, my 2021 list. (laughs) (laughs) Save a life. Like... (laughs) ridiculous it's ludicrous it's it's officer ludicrous it's it's lieutenant ludicrous to you (laughs) (laughs) okay so then we find out that hillary swank is like planning to go meet up with someone that night and it's set up for us to think that hillary swank and josh jumel are like meeting up with each other Mm-hmm. But then it's not because Hillary goes and meets up with her dad, Robert De Niro, and she takes him up to the roof. Uh, <laughs> where he immediately dies. Where he dies. <laughs> then uh, the ball drops. Wow. Happy New Year. Jessica Biel's in labor. Yes. The the, the the pregnant women are giving birth. Leah Michelle <laughs> is singing Old Lang Syne. Um, Zach Efron shows up and kisses Michelle Pfeiffer. Surprise kisses her, mind you. Oh, launches himself at her. The, uh, oh God, some of the grossest no consent, like surprise kisses in all yeah. of film canon here. I also think it's worth mentioning Ashton Kutcher shows up yes. to be like, good luck, Leah Michelle. I'm your like loser boyfriend now surprise <laughs> and she's like okay but he brings this thing that i only recently learned about from a youtube channel i watch but like <laughs> he brings her this really weird dated item that's like a balance bracelet that are like do you remember those they like were a thing oh. 10 years ago i didn't know they existed but he it, it looks like a live strong band but there's yeah, like yeah. a little piece of stone in it and it's some it was some bullshit scam that they did in the early 2010s where 
it, they're like, oh, you balance better when you wear this $30 bracelet mm. that's just plastic. I know he references that, but I thought he was just making a joke where it's like, haha, if you don't have this cheap uh, rubber bracelet, it might offset your balance. I didn't realize that that was a real thing, like a balance bracelet. Tragically, that was a real thing. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, paging, paging Officer Ludacris once again. Uh, excuse me, Officer Ludacris. <laughs> What's going on? God, and I mean, they're obviously like fuck the NYPD, but then at the end where the New York cops just start kissing people, you're like, what oh. the fuck is going on in this? What's oh, happening? Well, here comes another surprise kiss. Uh, Abigail Breslin goes and like finally finds her crush in Times Square. J.T. Austin, a Disney star or a Nickelodeon oh. star. Yeah, I have I have no idea who that was. He was on Wizards of Waverly Place. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this other girl grabs him and surprise kisses him. And then Abigail Breslin sees this and she gets sad. But then the boy is like, wait a minute. No, I got surprise kiss. You have it all wrong. I want to kiss you. And then he... Surprise kisses, Abigail Breslin. And so just <laughs> she's wearing fingerless gloves for all of this. Oh, the, I didn't the, even notice that. Oh, 2011, she is wearing fingerless gloves. <laughs> oh, there another just quick. This is uh, Seth Meyers and Jessica Biel comment, but uh, mm. one of one of my one of the most baffling line exchanges in the movie for me was she's doing yoga to induce labor. She just yes. wants $25,000, even though they seem to have a ton of money. Right. To pay off uh, Seth Meyers student loan debt. Oh my gosh. So yes. So this is the scene where you find out that, that he's a horse doctor. He's <laughs> like, he, he like walks in. He's like, why are you doing yoga? Like stop. And then she goes, okay. And then she, she says, you are going to be a great vet someday, Griff. And then he says, thanks. And then he makes a long joke about like, well, what if I married a horse? That I'd be married to a horse, but I'm not. I'm married to you. <laughs> Anyways, why aren't you in labor? And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? This is <laughs> He's a uh, horse doctor. He has to pay off his horse doctor debts. So in that storyline of the two pregnant women, we learn what both of their husbands do for a living but we don't learn anything about the two women. And the husband's jobs are ridiculous. It's a horse <laughs> doctor and charm school owner. Like <laughs> there we we I I'm trying to think. I'm like we know what Hillary Swank does. We know what Katherine Heigl does. Mm-hmm. I would argue we don't know what Michelle Pfeiffer does. Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't even know what she does. That's why she quit. <sighs> I think she's the assistant to John Lithgow, but it's so vague that it really could be anything. We sort of know what Sarah Jess, I almost said it again, oh, Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker does she's because she's like a, like a costume, costume designer. designer. The Rockettes. Uh, right. Iconic. Only in New York. I guess we wow. know what some of the characters, it's just so like, but but yeah, it it seems pointed that you don't know what the two very pregnant people do for a living it's almost as if to say like well they're mothers so they wouldn't have a career pregnancy is a full-time job <laughs> uh so weird yeah. Um, but yeah she, he needs to pay off his ho- oh also there's that matthew broderick cameo oh my gosh first of all is that just like a deal that him and sarah jessica parker have like you get both of us <laughs> and they're like, well, we don't want Matthew Broderick. And he's like, well, write me a scene anyways. Also, his name is Mr. Buellerton. Oh, Ferris Buellerton's day off, maybe? What a what a mess. What a mess. <laughs> um, also, pretty cool that Sarah Jessica Parker is like, yeah, my husband needs to be in the movie, but I'm not going to kiss him. I'm going to kiss Josh Dumas. Dumas. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, so that brings us to Josh Dumel, Dumal, whatever, goes to the spot where he was supposed to meet this like mystery woman who he met last year. It seems like she's not going to show up, but then she does. And surprise, it's Sarah Jessica Parker. And we're like, were we supposed to care about this at all? No. Hard to know. <laughs> um, and then they kiss and we're like, woo, I guess that's the end of and the movie. Is Josh? Du- is it Josh Dumal's voiceover at the end of the movie? Because at the end it was like... I believe so. That was confusing to me. I did not catch that the first time. I was like, and then at the end someone just starts talking. I have no idea. I wasn't sure if it was him or maybe De Niro's ghost. <laughs> No, it was Ludacris's ghost. Yeah. (laughs) So, oh my God, when when they literally, I mean, the way that all these storylines end are so sloppy. But when Hillary Swank leaves to go see, and she's like, "Bye, Ludacris. It's been fun being in this movie with you." And then he's like, "My my little Rugrats," and you're like, "Oh, stop! Don't don't." Ugh, weird weird maybe they are his I, then i was like what if those are his actual kids and they did one of those things it's it wasn't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. who knows um but i think that's the end of the movie then there's like this credit montage of mostly zach efron dancing and then there's also bloopers but then that's it did you find it really jarring in the credits where okay it looked like the the credits were like they put all the names of all the main actors, but they didn't put any of the names over the actor that they were talking yes. about. So it yeah. was, I was like dying. It kept cutting, like they cred, like it was shots of Zac Efron when they, for Ludacris, it was shots of <laughs> Zac Efron when they were crediting Leah Michelle. It was uh-huh. a shot of Zac Efron when they were crediting John Bon Jovi. <laughs> like they put Michelle Pfeiffer over Sarah Jessica Parker. It was like, it may have, that's like editing 101. <laughs> And they fucked they it up. just kept cutting back to Zac Efron for everyone except for Zac Efron. And that was John Bon Jovi. Like, <laughs> it was just so weird. Um, oh, my God. Uh, well, that's the story. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's 
smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. And we're back. And we're back. Uh, I just wanted to shout out the blooper reel one more time. Oh, please. Did you have a favorite blooper um i mean just because i love zach efron so much i was like very endeared by i think he has one or two little bloopers that get snuck in there he seems like he was really hamming it up he really was (laughs) oh he has yeah he has one where he calls uh michelle pfeiffer the wrong character name uh and then he like has and then there's another one where he like set he's like talking into the phone to ashton kutcher and then he like does his line wrong and then he has to he like kind of swivels around he's like oh shoot and like so i liked those just because i love zach efron my favorite one was when halle berry the, the halle berry carrie they're they're walking <laughs> down Ewan mcgregor so they're like they're walking down the hallway and mm-hmm. halle berry is saying he needs to be taken to hospice care but she can't stop laughing uh <laughs> which yeah. is uh, maybe made sense if you were the, it seems like you had to be there because <laughs> right. it doesn't make sense to me why she's like, he has to go to hospice care. <laughs> like, right. you're just like, Halle Berry, read the room. Yeah, you almost, you like, Robert De Niro has regrets and he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> right. They should have included the context for, for why she was laughing, but they don't. And then it just seems really insensitive. It makes her seem really mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> Very strange. Uh, oh, and then, of course, Jessica Biel gives birth to a, D- a widescreen DVD and a Blu-ray of Valentine's yes. Day. Um, mm-hmm. Because this all takes place in the same expanded universe. Um, Hilarious. I also wanted to shout out some of the cameo performances that we haven't already shouted oh, yeah. out. Um, Where was such Alyssa as- Milano? I never ended up finding her. I was confused by that, too. And I think it's partly because I don't really know what Alyssa Milano looks like. And I, I like, so I, I didn't same, recognize her. I'm, I'm, su- I'm suffering from the same thing. <laughs> But um, she was one of the nurses in Robert De Niro. I almost called him Robert Downey Jr. Oh my God! What is book of uh, Trunk of Shadows? <laughs> so, she's a nurse in Robert De Niro's story. There's also um, is it Yardley Smith? Yardley Smith? Oh wait, Bart Simpson? Yes. Where is Where is Bart? Or sorry, uh, Lisa Simpson. She's in the um, RV that Josh Dumel is in. Uh, oh, see, well, I fast forwarded the Josh Dumel scenes uh, for right, self care. Right, right. So yes. <laughs> I don't know. She plays a very kind of tropey character where she's just like in love with the idea of love. And she's just like, oh my gosh, tell me about this love story between you and this wow. woman. I love love. Uh, it sounds like season two of you. Um, <laughs> There's also Nat Wolf from the Naked Brothers Band is credited as waiter, which makes no sense to me because he would have been like 16. Oh. So, but he plays, I guess he plays a waiter. I don't know who that is, so I, I can't say that. That's okay. That. Uh, Carla, uh, oh God, I don't think I have ever tried to say her last name out loud since the Spy Kids episode, but Carla <laughs> Gugino? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A mom from Spy Kids, iconically, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. amongst other roles is in it briefly briefly she plays like a hippie doctor almost she's like mm-hmm. an md but she also like does all this like kind of holistic medicine approach she's the one who pulls the dvds out of uh mm-hmm. jessica beale's vagina hilarious joke we all love it 
Um, there's also Penny Marshall mm-hmm. is at the like record company party and we see her being very mean to a service industry person so that's uh, cool um let's see oh jim belushi plays the superintendent of the building with the broken elevator (sighs) yeah and you can just tell like that whole thing (laughs) that had to be just a whole day of ashton kutcher kissing jim belushi's ass in a real and like in a way that must have been really embarrassing to watch where he's like (laughs) oh my god i love your work so much so influential to me and you're just like ashton kutcher shut the fuck up challenge calm down yeah um <laughs> yeah there's probably some other people i'm forgetting about but those those are all the famous people and of course mayor michael bloomberg and and mike bloomberg as himself disaster you hate to see it you do okay where should we start <laughs> uh, well i feel like the the one of the more egregious elements of this movie and movies of this genre are mm-hmm. how they treat non-white characters yes uh only white characters get meaningful love arcs in Mm -hmm. this movie i would say meaningful storylines at all i mean i guess so but it's like are any of these stories meaningful i don't know (laughs) like i guess complete storylines like um yeah because we have a few people of color in this movie but they're all in supporting roles mostly to support a rich white lady in dating someone yeah or uh well i guess so so russell peters and sofia vergara uh work with katherine heigl and they only exist to see what's going on with her and john bon jensen right they don't get any meaningful storyline out of that and then uh, there's also luda officer luda mm-hmm. who is a friend of hillary swank and then is like okay like he doesn't need to be there it's just weird that he's there at all like right. you he i think we said this earlier like he could be written out of every scene and the movie would be kind of no different true he could also be a ghost and the movie would be no different <laughs> so that's not good writing mm-hmm. for one of your only black actors in the movie and then there's Halle Berry in common where Halle Berry's story compared to all of like the white couples is so depressing like she doesn't get to go anywhere she doesn't get to do anything she has to just like listen to Robert De Niro be like I've made so many vague mistakes and then well that's the thing I wouldn't classify her storyline as being about her she to me is in another supporting role supporting a white character and then they do try to characterize her a little bit more right but that scene is like a minute maybe it's an after i think it's like fully an afterthought totally an afterthought and the thing that they do to like try to characterize her further is just like introduce her in the context of like the romantic hetero relationship that she's in so it's like okay this isn't interesting or i mean it could be interesting but like nothing about it had been set up or properly developed and it just feels like very random and tacked on like i think what's what is more interesting about halle berry's character is that she is like does not care about medical misconduct that's pretty interesting there she's like kill robert de niro see if i care like that's a better movie that's a better plot line Mm. but yeah it's like Mm -hmm. even they give her a partner at the last second for no ostensible reason but even so it's like you just see like a white couple mashing their face together in times square white couple mashing their face together in times square and then 
Halle Berry has to hang out with Robert De Niro calling himself an asshole for two hours. Right. And then at the end, they're like, and Halle Berry has a husband who's serving overseas and she's sad. And you're like, mm-hmm. fuck you. Like, come on. They also make her like get changed in like a fucking broom closet. <laughs> and then she has to like to zoom to zoom in another room in the hospital. Like, why doesn't she go home? Like, yeah. why don't we see where she lives? Like, <sighs> so it's it's like just everything you you think it would be in terms of how this movie writes and treats their non-white characters it's Mm -hmm. aggressively cis hetero yeah there's also with the two characters who are like in the employ of Catherine heigl Mm -hmm. we have sofia vergara who plays a character that she often plays which is a non-native speaker of English, therefore she gets some like words and phrases wrong and that's always played as a joke. Right. I mean, that's like the story of Modern Family, isn't it? I, I don't really oh, want to Oh, yeah. Show. That is very... In fact, I was like, is she just playing that same character? Because... Could be. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. A lot of jokes are made at the expense of her not having the most fluent grasp of English kind of thing. And she's also extre- like over-sexualized in a way that she very often so, is. So much. Well, which happens uh, very frequently. Like it, it's just, ugh, it's, it's really frustrating. Like she, a lot is made of her body, mm-hmm. which is the same deal in Modern Family. And she's just very like ditzy and over-sexualized in a way that isn't just sexist. It is also like, I mean, we've talked about this in, in past episodes before. Our, our conversation in Aladdin kind of comes to mind mm-hmm. of how black and brown women are so often over-sexualized because tropes. For sure. And that is like kind of no exception in, in this movie for Sofia Vergara. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. And then the other character uh, who works for Catherine Heigl is Russell Peters' character. Mm-hmm. And he is made to do an accent which he does not have in real life. Nope, he's Canadian. He's Canadian. He has a Canadian accent. Um, This is something that a lot of South Asian actors in particular have to deal with, Asian actors in general, Mm -hmm. where they are made to do an accent that they do not actually have, usually for like comedic effect. Yeah. And it's almost always racist. We just, we we had a conversation about this on the Matreon recently with um, the character... I don't remember the name of the character. Oh, but, um, Sahil from Sahil. Princess Christmas, Christmas Prince 2. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this has been written about extensively. It's like, a, I, I, I don't know how much that conversation was being had in a public way in late 2011. But at this mm-hmm. point, I mean, it's so, so, so egregious and absolutely not on the actor at all because so many parts are written to these very racist stereotypes and then the actor only gets so many offers for so many types of parts like it's just such Mm -hmm. an infuriating cycle yes cal penn had a a really insightful and frustrating uh twitter thread about that that we will uh link in the description about the types of characters that uh he's been sent and this seems like this character wait what is russell peter's character even called in this movie uh sunil um -hmm. this character seems very in the south asian stereotypes that uh like actors of south asian descent who do not have accents are constantly asked to play 
Yeah, I would also recommend the documentary The Problem with Apu uh, mm-hmm. that ha- comedian Hari Kondabolu made, uh, which dives into this quite a bit. So it's on HBO yes. Max for anyone who wants to watch it. It's good. Very insightful. Um, yeah, so in general, like we can just basically sum up this movie as being like obscenely white. The only main storylines are given to white people. The only people of color are there to support the white characters who have more significant narrative arcs. Just like a very, neg- a lot of negative stereotypes are at play with, um, I, f- I feel like Sofia Vergara and uh, Russell Peters in particular. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't help that uh, Officer Luda is with the NYPD. I don't love that. I also, the the shot, a truly shocking at the end where New York cops are just making out with Ooh. random people. I hated to see it. Well, let's talk about the sexual misconduct that takes place within <laughs> okay. e- these storylines. So there are many examples across many different storylines of characters harassing other characters or, for example, Zac Efron the moment he is introduced on screen, Street harasses like six different women. Yeah. Within the first 10 seconds of seeing his character. Russell Peters to Sofia Vergara, which plays into the over-sexualization of her character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like taking photos of her. She's kind of very excitedly jumping up and down. And he says, keep, keep jumping. jumping. You're very sexy. Bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. Uh, Catherine Heigl also later sexualizes her again Catherine Heigl is is Sofia Vergara's boss in this mm. movie so like to her subordinate she's like commenting on the size of her breasts in a really inappropriate way yeah uh, Russell Peters also proceeds to make several inappropriate comments to various women throughout the movie about like who they're gonna kiss at midnight and other sexually suggestive things we already talked about the Whatever choice, if I don't, if this was in the script or if this is something Gary Marshall decided should happen or what exactly, but a choice was made for Abigail Breslin, who was a teenager, she's fifteen, a kid, yeah, a child, for her to lift up her shirt and flash her bra in a crowded public space. For some reason, that's in the movie. Not just gross, but also nonsense. Absolute, no, absolute nonsense. nonsense. Um, Jim Belushi is like, hey, Ashton Kutcher, you totally fucked Leah Michelle in the elevator, right? Right, right, right. Like it go- that scene goes on for so long of yeah. J- Jim Belushi being like, you had sex with that hot lady, wink, wink, right? And you're like, please <laughs> stop talking. Wa- and it's like, is this, I'm sorry, screenwriter, uh, Catherine what's her name fugate fugate something is this your idea of comedy which goes to show that uh even women can be uh terrible sexist screenwriters (laughs) woohoo yay she also wrote valentine's day so Mm -hmm. the new year's eve is the last like major movie that she has written so you know Yipes. Well, uh, good riddance. Well, sorry. Uh, and then there's also, and we touched on some of these already, but there's also a number of uh, surprise kisses where Ashton Kutcher surprise kisses Liam. There's constant, they're constantly happening. Uh, Ashton Kutcher surprise kisses Liam Michelle. Zach Efron surprise kisses Michelle Pfeiffer. There's the several surprise kisses in the Abigail Breslin storyline. There's extras surprise kissing other extras. It's just constantly happening. It's gross. So, and it is also, uh, in addition to this movie being 
horrendously racist. It is also the most hetero movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Just frustrating because they have, I mean, it's like they're, uh, I don't know. I'm like, why? It's like you have, first of all, two queer icons in this movie. And it's like, come on, Sarah Paulson. Why do I have mm. to like, <laughs> anyways. Wait, who's the other one? Cher- Cherry Jones. Oh, wait, who's Cherry? I don't know who Cherry Jones is. Cherry Jones uh, is the owner of the record label, and she and Sarah Paulson used to date. But by the oh. mo- time this movie is shot, they're not dating. So you're like, I what's see. happening? Drama. Um, okay. They're not, they don't appear in a scene together, much like right. uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick, even though they are married. <laughs> well, I don't know. Shrug. Shrug. Um, but yeah, there there are several several of the stories revolve around a romance of some kind between Catherine Heigl and Bon Jovi, Ashton Kutcher and Leah Michelle, Abigail Breslin and her crush Seth, Sarah Jessica Parker and Josh Dumal. They're it's all really only uh, Hilary Swank who doesn't have a romantic storyline. Yeah. Kind of. It's like Hilary Swank and then Ludacris is already married. Yeah. You find out Halle Berry's been married the whole time at the end. To, to Common. <laughs> the two pregnant women to are common. in hetero relationships. So everyone is... This is a New York City where only straight people live and mostly white people live and we all love cops and we need to have a baby yesterday. (laughs) Like it's... messy um yeah i think that there we've sort of touched on this but i think that there's definitely some ageism at play with how michelle pfeiffer's character is treated didn't like that i'm all for like you know like i i always think it's like a a cool representation when there's an age gap relationship and the woman is the older party that i feel like you get a lot of that for sure but uh (laughs) this is not the storyline that you're like cool there it is um that's not this is not it uh because these two characters make no sense together it doesn't like the huh what are they gonna do like it doesn't Uh, make any sense Mm -mm. but i guess they're in love and so that's (laughs) amazing seth myers is a horse doctor um what else what else is going on here he, oh, um, uh, yeah it is kind of like it is it, it was jarring to go down the list of main actors and and realize how many have been canceled mm-hmm. uh rightfully so since since this movie was released um oh and then there's just like the the good old-fashioned sexism in the movie there's for oh, example yeah. um when Sofia Vergara tells John Bond Jensen, uh, that's what women like. We like to talk. Oh, yeah. Um, some mm-hmm. some classic some classics out there. There's John Bond Jensen's being baffled that Catherine Heigl wouldn't just give up her career to go on the road with him. And he's like, why won't you do? What's the big deal? Like, right. women's careers are less valuable. Yeah. At the very least, she challenged. I was like, wow I'm surprised this movie even had her challenge that because she says something akin to like I have my own life I have my own career I'm not going to drop it for you again I'm going Mm -hmm. to focus on my own stuff and I love my career and then because of that he decides to cancel his tour so I'm like okay I didn't expect for any of that to happen that's like which leads to one of the worst setups of the entire movie oh god like where they're kissing they're mm. kiss kiss kissing in Times Square well apparently John Bon Jensen is supposed to be performing at midnight 
in <laughs> Times yep. Square. And then she, Catherine Heigl's like, wait, if you're not performing, then who is? And he's like, oh, yeah. I forgot to perform at midnight in Times Square on New Year's <laughs> Eve. And then Leah Michelle asked to come in and do do her little thing. Yeah. I can't stand Leah Michelle. I God. find her so annoying. She's a bad person. There's another really troubling thing about the Katherine Heigl <laughs> Jensen Bon Jovi storyline to me. Mm-hmm. And it is that you find out toward the end Bon Jovi basically demanded that she get hired to cater this party. Yeah. Which, first of all, talk about like giving a woman imposter syndrome. Because she's she thought she got hired based on her merit. And instead, she got hired because Bon Jovi threatened to not do the performance unless she catered the after party. That's so fucked up. He tries to save it by being like, I know you would have had a lot of offers, but I just... And you're like... Yeah. Okay. And then the other very troubling thing about this is that she was actively trying to avoid him. Yes. After he betrayed her. He was, yes. And, and he, he puts her in pushing. a situation where she is like forced to be near him and come in contact with him, which is not dissimilar from stalking. Yeah. And oh, I totally agree. So he's treated as so cute for doing all of this too. Like oh, we're supposed yeah. we as an audience are trained to be like, oh my God, I love how he keeps showing up. I love how he keeps uh, you know, like putting her f- like finances to revolve around this person that she doesn't want to be around for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh the ugh and then that scene where he's sitting on the hood of the car and he talks to Hillary Swank and he's like, Oh, I'm so obs-. he's acting like he's twenty years old. He's, he's like so mopey. Boy meets girl, boy screws it up. It's like, sir, you are fifty years old. You need to grow up. Like and then Hillary Swank says, You rock. Yeah. And then you go, Oh, oh. but yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, audiences have been trained to think that what he did was romantic and not very troubling. And that's also how Katherine Heigl reacts. She's like, yeah. wow, you did that for me? You stalked me and gave me imposter syndrome? That's so romantic. Oh my wow, God, I can't believe so a much. famous guy made time to harass me all year. <laughs> and that's exactly what he does. He basically just wears her down throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he keeps just walking into a kitchen. It made <sighs> me really stressed out. I was like, put on a mask. Put on some gloves. Like, what are you doing? Get away from the food <laughs> you're dirty um as much as i detest ashton kutcher leah michelle that whole thing that there's a lot of sexism at play there as well mm-hmm. he is like mr negging over and over like he calls oh, yeah. her a groupie and then only to reveal that he like is like a freelance like graphic designer who sucks at drawing that fucking thing they laser jetted off and Hatton Kutcher's like look at my art you're like yeah yeah right (laughs) and then she says it's bad but his whole thing is like he is just negging her and then Mm -hmm. she starts to fall in love with him yep I don't it's just like garbage nonsense they're like we only have seven minutes to (laughs) do this entire arc and it's just (laughs) and like two minutes of it are spent negging leah michelle's character yeah um i mean she negs him back so i guess there's that girl power also not how not a good basis for a relationship I had a note for that, that like the Buscemi test, uh, if you p- apply the Buscemi test to that, mm. uh, 
that relationship in particular of just like if Steve Boucher, if you're sitting in an elevator with Steve Buscemi being like, what are you, some kind of groupie? Oh, so do you want to kiss me or what? Like, it just does not, it does not play. Uh, it does not right. work. Oh and it's bad. Um, how about, how about this? Uh, Abigail Breslin says to her mom, Sarah Jessica Parker, quote, mm. you're clingy and mean, and it's because you don't have a man in your life. And then Sarah Jessica Parker, rather than responding meaningfully to this or challenging this at all, she nods in agreement. She's like, it is that. It you is got because me. of that. You got me. That's why I'm trying to prevent you from going to Times Square, a really dangerous area on a really dangerous day as a minor. It's because I need to date Josh Dumel really bad. Um, Also, we didn't mention this. Her brother, Sarah Jessica Parker's brother, is Zac Efron. That, does that ever become relevant? No. No? No, it does not. Do, we, do they ever even appear in the same shot? I don't think that they do. No, they talk on the phone. They've never met. And, okay, I know that age gaps between siblings is a thing. I know that it happens. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Sarah Jessica Parker is 22 years older than Zac Efron. It's not impossible that they would be siblings, Maybe they're step-siblings. I did find it to be sort of a weird choice, though. <laughs> maybe they're step-siblings. I don't know. Oh, could be. Half-siblings, maybe? Maybe they didn't even know who was going to end up... Like, it's so much of this movie must have come together in in editing. Like, who... God, I didn't even think of that. It, it Also, what a meaningless thing to do. Like, that never comes back. Because right, he's it, like, it, he's like, well, maybe, like, if my niece calls me and says, like, her cool uncle, like, but then that never happens. So. Well, he does. I think what happened there is that Abigail Breslin did call him off screen and for some reason told him where she would be. And that then he relays that information God. to Sarah Jessica Parker. But, like, she could have just, like, she could have found daughter. out another way where her daughter was you know they have to connect she could have, it. she could have texted piper's mom who is another very tropey like woman character of like the overbearing mother hides in the trope. bushes yeah she could have just texted piper's mom and been like where are our kids <laughs> and piper's mom would be like they're right here because i'm stalking them also the just how that um abigail breslin and her crush seth how that plays out towards the end like we already went over like the surprise kissiness of it all but the mm-hmm. way that they have that just dis- even the way that Seth question mark <laughs> yeah talks to her is really weird where she's mad at him because he got surprise kissed which mm-hmm. is not his fault but mm-hmm. uh this movie says it is his fault and he says she grabbed me and she totally stole it from me and then she's like I don't believe you and then he surprise kisses her Mm-hmm. I just wanted to go through that dialogue because I'm like, the dialogue <laughs> does somehow make a bad situation worse, worse because it just, but I, the line I did like from him that was so clear. I'm like, Oh, a, a, a grown person wrote this, a grown person who's never met a teenager before wrote this line was <laughs> when Abigail Breslin's like, I'm sorry, Seth, I can't come to hang out. And he's like, but Haley, half of the history class is going. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, teenagers do be saying that all the time. Just like Ooh. music executives are always saying, you can't quit. It's Grammy season. 
<laughs> I have another really fun example of uh, a person who hasn't been a teenager in many decades and who has never talked to a teenager since. Yeah. So toward the beginning of the movie, Abigail Breslin is like with her group of like girlfriends and they're like, oh my God, are you going to kiss Seth tonight? Do you even know how to kiss? And then one teenager says, they have a video on the oh internet God, that yes. shows you how to kiss. And then another teenager chimes in and says... They have two, one for regular kissing and one for passionate kissing. And I'm like, are you trying to talk about YouTube? Are we like doing like a <laughs> helicopter around the word YouTube and we can't get there? Shocking. You know, the, the two YouTube videos about <laughs> how to kiss. Two YouTube videos about kissing. Yeah, I had that down as well. <laughs> I was like, oh, teenagers, they're always watching those two YouTube videos about kissing. Oh, here's another example of the uh, the uh, writer not knowing anything about comedy writing. Oh, cool. Uh, Josh Dumel, whose character's name is apparently Sam, we guess, right. is at the like the exclusive after party, and he gets surrounded by a couple women who are like throwing themselves at him, and he almost looks to camera and like giggles, and he says, "I'm a Sam witch." Because his name is Sam, and he's what? sandwiched by a couple women, and that's a joke. There, that is what is meant to be uh-huh. a joke. <laughs> the only good comedy in this movie is when they put Michelle Pfeiffer in the Spider-Man turn off the dark, um, like acrobat thing. I did laugh when Jessica Biel says, "My water broke," and Seth Meyers says, "All of it." I did laugh at that. <laughs> that whole scene is just baffling he's like i'm a horse doctor your water broke what's happening like uh, i i like the scene where sofia vergara and katherine heigl throw eggs again the most feminist scene in the movie they throw eggs and um you know we have to respect the symbolism it's an allegory it's a bad scene but they are throwing eggs for the whole thing yeah hillary swank saying you rock that's exciting. That's great. Well, to jump back to the uh, the pregnancy storyline really quickly, a couple things on that. Ooh, when they when they bump the <laughs> when they push their pregnancies against each other. Yes, that's that's Two one Greg's thing that definitely around. happened. And so basically, the women, and this is more Jessica Biel antagonizing Sarah Paulson, but it, this... Sarah Paulson seems very chill. Like she seems yeah. like she's being kind of like bullied by her charm school husband to participate in all this because she keeps being like i don't really care like i just want to give birth to a healthy child which like fair there's that whole scene where her husband sarah paulson's (laughs) husband she's like wow we're gonna win 25 grand and he's like no it's much less than that that's not the amount you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong and we understand that it's because like he doesn't want to like reveal to this other pregnant couple that but he's nagging his nine month pregnant wife yeah. every scene they appear in <laughs> to the point where she feels like she needs to apologize to him for her water not breaking when he wanted it to. Yes. And that mm. is awful. Um, but basically because these, these two husbands are very competitive about winning this money, which they don't seem to need because they seem to be doing fine financially. There's always going to be sick horses. (laughs) Right? As we say in the biz. (laughs) Um, But their kind of competitive rubs off onto their wives. And 
then the women get pitted against each other in this pregnancy storyline. And one thing that I was like, okay, again, here's the movie doing the bare minimum. The two women do apologize to each other toward Mm -hmm. the end, but it just, it was such a flimsy story to begin with that I, I just hated like seeing the women pitted against each other and then like having to apologize for it because their husbands are like being just toxic and overly competitive and like almost having like a dick measuring contest about whose wife can go in labor first kind of thing yeah it just fucking sucks like and then at the end where like Seth Meyers and Jessica Biel are like oh wait a second we're rich we don't need $25,000 I guess we'll just give it to Sarah Paulson and the charm school guy because they already have children which is another thing that they reveal that you're like, oh, I guess that would have it would have been helpful to know that earlier. It would that it would have made the thing with the money make more. S- I I don't I don't know. But I'm like, you own a charm know. school. Is the charm school failing? Like, what is ha- what's happening? I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. Uh, this this movie's so bad. It's so horrible. There's another um, really poorly done joke where mm. the spy kids mom doctor oh my God. <laughs> forget her name um she says to seth myers because seth myers is like trying to negotiate like a split of the winnings with her yeah and she's not having it and she says you're dangerously close to a rectal exam and he's like no don't give me a rectal exam because haha what's more humiliating than someone doing something to a man's like anus it's exhausting i hate this movie so (laughs) much It's bad. It makes me sad to watch. I hate how carefully I had to pay attention to it in order mm-hmm. to know what was happening. I don't know. I mean, well, it, maybe it was worth it to see Michelle Pfeiffer flung around a stage. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> Who am I to say? It's definitely one of the the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. That is just so expensive. It made me want to watch um, every time Sherlock Holmes... Um, trunk of shadows popped up i'm like i would rather be watching this and i know that movie's bad i've seen Mm it it's simply a disaster it's so bad here i made a a short list of the people whose talents were wasted in this movie because i think some of the casting was like yeah i don't really respect you as an actor and i think you were well cast for this movie but there are some people who are like you just feel so bad that they're in this movie Halle for me Barry Halle Berry's at the top of the list Sarah Paulson Hillary nice. Swank mm-hmm. Hector Elizondo mm-hmm. and I'll throw Zac Efron in there I don't care mm-hmm. oh and Michelle no, Pfeiffer and I guess I mean Robert De Niro also I mean Robert De Niro he's in a lot of shitty movies but he is a talented um, actor you do get the feeling that Gary Marshall bullied him into doing this. Like someone <laughs> owed someone a favor there. Maybe like, I don't know. Cause Gary Marshall, like he directed princess diaries, which mm-hmm. is probably why Her- Hector Elizondo is there. He directed pretty woman. He directed beaches. He directed one runaway bride. Like he directed a lot of, you know, iconic rom-coms and mm-hmm. then just like started making really bad rom-coms but r.i.p gary um mm-hmm. we yeah you you started strong and then there was <laughs> a few weird ones at the end but uh yeah what the fuck is going on apparently uh jessica beale ashton kutcher and hector elizondo are also in valentine's day 
a movie I have seen, but remember 0% of. The only thing I remember about Valentine's Day is that Taylor Swift kisses Taylor Lautner. Because oh. Taylor Lautner only dates other people. Other Taylors. Named Taylor. I love that for him. I think that I've gotten, th- I mean, I feel like we're leaving out or like just forgetting so much, but there's only, we. I mean, it's so difficult to process everything that happens in this movie. So is yeah i i guess i just wanted to like touch one more time particularly on because sofia vergara has been the center of a large discussion about the over sexualization of latinx women in particular for so long Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different opinions on it we are obviously not the two people to make any sort of judgment call on it sure and it's something that i want to talk about with latinx guests in the near future preview Mm -hmm. um but i just wanted to shout out a couple of articles and um we can link this in the description as well um for some of the um i wouldn't even say it's like necessarily criticism just uh several latinx writers that have written about her career and Mm -hmm. the sorts of parts that she's played in the past sure so the first one is from uh this year from 2020 in pop sugar by jennifer paula varela rodriguez it's called Say What You Want, but Sofia Vergara has broken barriers for Latinx people on primetime TV and beyond. Mm-hmm. Then there's also interviews with Sofia Vergara on this topic. One is in Vanity Fair back in 2017 with Johanna Desta. The headline is, mm-hmm. and I would recommend reading the whole thing, mm-hmm. Sofia Vergara to critics, what's wrong with being a stereotype? So it's a very large discussion mm-hmm. that we'll be having with guests, but I just wanted to sort of shout out that there's uh, certainly notes of that in the part she is playing in this movie. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I will have to check those articles out. Thank you for doing that research, Jamie. Mm-hmm. And um, I look forward to having this discussion uh, in greater detail and more depth in coming episodes. We're hinting at an upcoming episode. <laughs> but it's a surprise. It's a secret. <laughs> Shh. Um, but it does pass the Bechtel test. It does pass the Bechtel test. <laughs> it does. Boy, does it? Oopsie. It does between <laughs> a few different um, Sarah Jessica Parker and Abigail Breslin. We mentioned that scene that passes where Abigail Breslin exposes her bra. Mm-hmm. But the context of most of their conversations is, Mom, why can't I hang out with the boy that I like? Mm-hmm. Similar to the exchanges between Catherine Heigl and Sofia Vergara, where they have a few exchanges that are just like two line back and forth that technically pass, but like the context of most of their conversations are about John Bon, John Jensen. bon Jensen. Jessica Beal and Sarah Paulson talk about their pregnancy competition, but they're Greg's. They're Gre- they're little Greg's and but then also like Yay. their husbands are always like right there. So none of these passes and I mean I'd almost be mad if there was like a really like a good exchange of dialogue that like does pass the Bechdel test in an otherwise terrible terrible movie. Yeah. Cuz it feels like it wouldn't this movie this movie doesn't deserve it to... mostly passes the Bechdel test by accident by like, accident yes like by sheer coincidence or mistake so spiritually it doesn't pass spiritually it does not pass i'm giving this movie no nipples i'm giving this <laughs> like nothing same nothing for this movie yeah the few again the few like bare minimum moments where i'm like okay at least 
Catherine Heigl stands up for herself and doesn't want to go on tour because she has her own career or like when the the pregnant women apologize to each other again like it's canceled out by every other obscene thing that happens in the movie yes so zero nipples zero nipples uh which is also what i give the year 2020 2020 gets zero nipples <sighs> zero nipples i think that we actually kind of jinxed stuff last year because mm. do you remember when someone sent us a clip of us being like 2020 might be really fun so i'm just gonna go <laughs> yeah. in on 2021 neutral i'm gonna i find it best to have very low expectations because even if something not terrible happens they exceed your very low expectations so i'm gonna go on record as saying 2021 will be the worst year in recorded history i'm gonna have no take because thinking about it (laughs) gives me extreme anxiety um yeah well that well there's another year and that's mm -hmm. new year's eve so this New Year's Eve, uh, please stay inside. Yes. And uh, don't watch this movie. Don't watch <laughs> Here's this the best movie. way to ring in 2021. Please don't watch this movie. <laughs> yes. So uh, we'll be back next year with lots of fun episodes. Lots of surprises. Maybe we'll leave our houses this year. Maybe we won't. Kind of Maybe just like won't. a fun rolling of the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be back for 2021 with you. Thank you to everyone who's listened. Thanks for coming to hang for a fun end of your episode. And uh, you can find us online by uh, at Bechtelcast on Mm -hmm. Instagram, on Twitter. We gave up on Facebook. You can uh, contribute to our Patreon, aka Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes plus access to i think like 80 other bonus episodes oh yeah lots holy moly (laughs) that's right yes and then you can also check out our merch store at tpublic.com slash the bechdel cast and here's something that i just want to shout out uh because people always ask us who designs our merch and because we never mention this but it's all jamie it's me jamie does all the merch it's me yay so all those block letters guess what this is my (laughs) little my little pause what am i saying it is me thank you uh do you wait jamie do you draw or do you illustrate i illustrate (laughs) the the hubris of his saying that and then showing me the worst shit i've ever seen in my life i swear to god All right, that's 2020. We love you. Happy New Year and let the best VJJ win. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.